This is the In Focus podcast from the Hindu. Hello and welcome to the In Focus podcast. My name is Jayan Shriram and I'm your host for today. In this episode, we're discussing the withdrawal of US troops from Afghanistan and how that will affect India and more broadly what it means for the region around us. The US president Joe Biden has declared that he will withdraw all remaining US troops from Afghanistan by September 11. The date is of course symbolic. It will be 20 years since the terror attack on US soil that led to their war in Afghanistan. And Biden has said that the US cannot continue to pour resources into what he calls an intractable war and expect different results. It does appear that there is significant political support in America for ending these forever wars that the US is engaged in in the Middle East. At the same time, in the intervening years, Afghanistan has only become a more complicated place. The peace process has been a long and messy affair, and several threads of it remain unresolved. with the possibility very high now that the taliban could be back in the ascendancy and while the us may be leaving it would still leave the region in a rather worrying state of flux and instability what does this all mean for india as we move forward in this episode we'll alternate between giving you a broader context to the troops withdrawal and the peace process and discussing the reasons why this should be of particular concern now to india I'm joined today by the Hindu's national and diplomatic affairs editor Suhasini Haider and international affairs editor Stanley Johnny who is also our resident expert on the Middle East. Stanley and Suhasini thank you both for joining the In Focus podcast today. Thank you Jan. Thanks Jan. Right. So Stan I, I want to start with you. um just to get into the timing and significance uh, of this announcement that the us will be withdrawing troops now this has been a long standing political demand from you know several circles in the us uh, the previous president donald trump uh, kept you know threatening to make this happen uh, mr biden seems to be following up on this with a rather more committed stance so what is the significance of this announcement the date and the timing i think the symbolic significance is you know it is uh, uh, it's there for everybody to see because biden says now the us troops pull out would be complete by september 11 of this year which which is the 20th year uh, of the attacks on uh, you know the world trade center uh, and pentagon so basically uh, this is uh, the afghan war is the longest war in the uh, american history so biden is now pulling it out uh, uh, especially on what triggered the conflict so the americans went to afghanistan in october 2001 um, you know a few weeks after the 911 attacks uh, so on the 20th anniversary he is winding it up so so that is the that is the symbolic message of of the date which he announced uh, and if you look at the larger picture uh, i think there is a consensus there is a consensus in washington dc for quite some time that this is a lost war obama had promised to uh, pull the american troops out of afghanistan and then as part of his larger plan to pull the troops out he had initially announced a surge to stabilize afghanistan and then pull back troops it didn't happen because afghanistan uh, was not stabilized you know it had never been stabilized after the since ever since the american intervention and then trump 
promised a pullout. He even reached out to the Taliban. He appointed a special envoy. He held uh, multiple rounds of talks in Doha, in Qatari capital. And then as uh, as part of those negotiations, he even agreed, he, he, he signed an agreement. The Trump administration signed an agreement with the Taliban and promised to pull back troops by May 1st uh, this year. And when Biden came to office, so Biden, uh, one of the first decisions he, uh, he took was to order a review of America's Afghan strategy. And then there were speculations that Biden might, uh, you know, kind of upturn Trump's agreement with the Taliban and he would stay the troops in Afghanistan at least until a settlement is reached. But basically but what Biden has done now, he has delayed the full troops pullout by a few months, but uh, he has upheld the spirit of the agreement, the, the Taliban-Trump agreement, you know. The Taliban-Trump agreement is that the Taliban would make sure that Afghan soil would not be used for terror activities by transnational terrorist groups such as Al-Qaeda, Islamic State, etc., etc. And in return for America's complete withdrawal by May 1st. So instead of pulling out troops by May 1st, Biden has delayed it by September 11th, but the whole pullout process will start by May 1st. So ineffectively, the United States is leaving Afghanistan without clinching any final settlement with the Taliban or a settlement between the Taliban or the Afghan government. And with the United States, uh, most of the remaining NATO troops will also pull out, like the British troops, the German troops, they will also pull out. So, in effect, the Ghani government uh, would be left with itself after September 11 on the battlefield against the Taliban. Right, yeah. So, you mentioned that what's the thing that's really been preventing this pullout of US troops, though it's been promised by successive presidents, is the fact that um, there has to be, there's this conditionality associated with, you know, uh, clinching some sort of peace in Afghanistan, which never seems to happen. Yeah. Now, it is notable that in Mr. Biden's statement, at least, it, it, it does say specifically that they will pull out without condition. So, um, you know, where does that leave the, the the peace process? Because there have been lots of developments, you know, parallelly over these last few months uh, over the Afghan peace process, several proposals that have been made. Um, so, you know, this kind of uh, binding sort of statement that uh, the Biden administration seems to have made, where does that leave the various sort of fragments of the peace process? Uh, yeah, see, um, there are two major, we can see, peace initiatives. One is, of course, the Trump plan. And according to the Trump plan, uh, as part of that agreement, and once the Trump-Taliban agreement was reached, and then there would be intra-Afghan peace process between the Afghan government and Taliban representatives. So these, these peace talks, actually, uh, this round of peace talks started in September last year in, in Doha, but it reached nowhere. After several rounds of talks, it reached nowhere. It is currently, it has been suspended. And when Biden became president, and Biden ordered a review of the strategy, uh, so they made an alternative proposal. The alternative proposal is that there would be a regional, a UN-led regional peace process, US-initiated, UN-led regional peace process that would be hosted by Turkey and also supported by Qatar. Qatar has a Taliban office, political office, right? So this is the plan. And the plan actually set in motion so that, that peace talks are supposed to happen on April 24th in Ankara. So Turkey is hosting the talks. But after Biden's announcement of this May, of the, of the delay in the pullout, 
Taliban uh, spokesperson tweeted the other day that the Taliban are not participating in the dialogue, in the Ankara dialogue. So without the Taliban's participation, uh, we I think we still don't know whether uh, the dialogue would go through because the whole idea uh, was to get the Taliban and the government together, you know, with, with the participation of regional countries such as India, Russia, China, Iran and Pakistan, as well as the United States. So now the Taliban have dismissed the talks altogether. We don't know whether the dialogue would go through. And even if the dialogue goes through without the Taliban, what, what it is going to achieve without the Taliban? Because Taliban is the main you know, actor in the whole thing. Uh, so that is one thing. And, and Biden had also, the Biden administration had also proposed an interim government between Taliban and uh, the Ghani administration, which President Ghani has rejected. Because Ghani's uh, you know, uh, position is that, I am the elected president of Afghanistan. And why should I share power with the Taliban, who, who don't even you know, contest in elections? Uh, so he has rejected it outright. So the U.S. peace process, let's say the Biden administration's push for peace, has hit a roadblock on both ends. And there are other parallel uh, talks, like Russia had hosted talks. You know, European countries have uh, shown interest in hosting talks. Ghani had made several proposals. So all these things are happening uh, alternatively. But what we know as of now is that Taliban, um, uh, I don't think Taliban are in a position to make any further concession because why should they make further concession? They are on the ascent, right? The Americans are leaving. And once the Americans are gone, the balance of power in the battlefield will decisively shift in favor of the Taliban, which Blinken himself had warned in the letter he sent to President Khani. So... Uh, when the Taliban is on the ascent, when nobody is putting any pressure on them, why should they make concession? So this, I, I think this reality uh, puts the entire peace process at risk. So what we are seeing is that the peace, the peace talks might go on with or without Taliban, but it, is, but it is unlikely to clinch any political settlement, at least in the uh, near future. Right. And so, Asni, let's just come to, you know, implications for our region. As, as Stanley explained, the various threads of the peace process are far from resolved, despite the fact that the U.S. is promising to pull out troops. Now, for different, uh, you know, countries in the region, they will have a different take on this. Some will see it as a win. Some will see it as more cause for concern. Um, so let's just get, let's just start with that. For whom, whom does this move benefit? Like, who, who is likely to see this as a win? Well, clearly, um, when it comes to asking who would benefit if the U.S. pulls out of Afghanistan and in that increasingly likely scenario that the Taliban is able uh, to gain control, move into more parts of Afghanistan than before, even perhaps move into some kind of a power arrangement inside Kabul, uh, then it is clear that uh, Pakistan, which has constantly pushed uh, the the idea that the Taliban needs a bigger role in Afghanistan uh, is 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 to benefit. The Taliban has for years had safe havens in Pakistan. Uh, they have uh, you know their bases there. They have. Uh, uh, they frequently go to visit, you know, you see leaders of the Taliban meeting in uh, Pakistan. Um, many of them are said to take direction from Pakistani military. Uh, so clearly this would on its own give Pakistan certainly an advantage in the region. Remember for Pakistan, uh, there's always been this uh, uh, contention that it holds out, that it uh, it, it fears having 
a, a government in Afghanistan that is inimical to its interests because uh, it is so closely linked to the country. Um, so, so there is definitely going to be a point at which uh, Pakistan is going to feel that it has somehow, uh, if you if you want to talk in binaries, won uh, an advantage over here. Um, for India, a lot of this will be the exact opposite, and for for three particular reasons, India does have reasons to worry about this kind of withdrawal of the United States, the kind of uh, idea the U.S. has given that it is not going to put any conditions to Taliban behavior in the next few months, even before it leaves. Uh, the first is that India has never engaged the Taliban publicly. There may have been some softening in the last couple of years. Um, India certainly recognizes that the Taliban must be at the talking table, um, but India has not publicly opened talks with the Taliban. It never recognized the Taliban government either. The second is, uh, as we just discussed, the fillip it gives to Pakistan in the region uh, compared to the current governments and certainly the governments we've seen in the last 20 years that have had a very close relationship with India. Remember, uh, India was Afghanistan's first strategic partner that was signed, uh, that strategic partnership was signed in uh, 2012, even before the then President Hamid Karzai had signed a, uh, uh, an agreement with the United States. Um, and India has a lot of development uh, um, work in Afghanistan. Uh, it has many, many interests in seeing Afghanistan under a democratic rule. Uh, and certainly this is not going to head in that direction uh, the way we are uh, you know, looking at the kind of talks we've seen. And the third is, if the, there is a principle to be held, it was always uh, supposed to be that the talks process, that the process between uh, the U.S. and Taliban and, and uh, the agreements that were signed a year ago would broadly adhere to three red lines. And when you look at it today, it looks as if none of those red lines have been kept. And these are something India has repeated again and again. One, that the process should be Afghan-owned and Afghan-led, but it seems very narrowly Taliban-led uh, because the Taliban has decided the timelines uh, and uh, the United States seems not to be listening as much to other parts of uh, Afghanistan, especially the Ghani government. And the second red line was that there should be an absence of violence, that the Taliban must give up arms, that the Taliban must abjure all foreign fighters in Afghanistan, like Al-Qaeda, ISIS and all the rest. Certainly none of that has, has happened in the last year. About The only reduction in violence we have seen is that against U.S. troops since the Taliban-U.S. agreement. And the third is uh, really the commitment to the Constitution, the idea that when the U.S. would pull out, that uh, essentially the government left behind would uh, be committed to democracy, would be committed to the rights of minorities and the rights of women. None of these red lines seem to have been adhered to or have we seen the Taliban make any kind of promise on them. Uh, so clearly for India, both from its own security point of view, as well as for its concerns for Afghanistan's future, this is not a sign, uh, this is not a move that will be welcomed. And we've certainly seen that in the initial reactions, both the CDS General Rawat and External Affairs Minister S.J. Shankar have spoken since the Biden announcement. And both of them have basically said, well, this is a fait accompli in a certain sense. Um, they said they hope there will be no uh, security vacuum in Afghanistan, uh, that they hope that uh, uh, development as well as democracy uh, will be maintained in Afghanistan. But nobody is really betting on that future right now. 
Right. So the other thing, um, the other thing, other thing to raise here, so Asni, is that given all these peace processes in play, um, with the um, India-Pakistan back channel that we spoke about just a few weeks back, did that was that connected in some way to the Afghan peace process and India and Pakistan's role in it? Because it does, it did seem to sort of come out of the the US's um, sort of talk on regional stability and the role that all these countries would have to play. Well, certainly, uh, 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 many have believed and experts we have spoken to have believed uh, that the timing of the India-Pakistan ceasefire announcement that happened on February 25th was in some way linked to showing that India and Pakistan are responsible players in the region. They don't want to add to regional instability at a time that the U.S. was working out its options in Afghanistan. Um uh, and 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 certainly, as far as a back channel goes between the two countries, we've seen so many reports come out. Uh, none of them have been confirmed by the Indian and Pakistani officials, but certainly none of them have been denied, which uh, leads most people to believe that there is, in fact, a back channel in place that is discussing a broader uh, dialogue process between India and Pakistan. Um, in fact, interestingly, just a day ago, we heard from uh, the United Arab Emirates ambassador to Washington who in a conversation with a former uh, American national security advisor actually said that uh, the UAE has been facilitating a dialogue between India and Pakistan, uh, certainly connected with regional stability in Afghanistan, uh, with the idea that the UAE has what he called, quote unquote, influence in both countries. Uh, That's something uh, Mr. Jaishankar, uh, while speaking at the Raisina Dialogue, uh, responded to quite, uh, he didn't deny it again. But he said that it must be understood that when it comes to stability in Afghanistan, India's role cannot be equated with that of Pakistan or any other player. India's role has always been a positive one. It has been one for development. Three billion dollars have been uh, invested in various projects, the parliament, the Salma Dam, so many other big projects there. Um, So India's case uh, has essentially been that its role in Afghanistan should not be seen by Pakistan as any kind of you know, in any kind of uh, uh, um, uh, interference. In fact, India accuses Pakistan of of uh, running terror groups there, of interfering there, of supporting the Taliban against the democratically elected government there. Uh, the fact remains, Jen, this is a space that has to be watched. Uh, clearly, there is a back channel in process that has allowed India and Pakistan uh, to uh, hold a certain uh, tenuous peace, if you like, for the last couple of months. We haven't seen ceasefire violations at the line of control, for example. We haven't seen any rhetoric really between the leaderships of both countries. We are not seeing the kind of international wrangling that we normally see between the two countries. Um, But whether it can hold and what the U.S. pullout will really mean for the um, negotiating leverages within such a back channel, that remains to be seen. Right. So just to wrap up this discussion, um, I want to throw it out to both of you. How do you see this process going forward? And I'll start with you, Stanley. Um, from the Afghanistan uh, perspective, you know, um, you know what, what happens now? Yeah. Um, so uh, if you look at the conflict, you know, Taliban are controlling almost half of the country, either directly controlling or contesting almost half of the country. Uh, but the Afghan government actually so far, I mean, most almost all the population centers are controlled by the Afghan government. So it is kind of a, for now, let's say it's a stalemated conflict because either side failed to take over control of the whole country. Afghan government has lost territories to the Taliban, but then the Taliban momentum has kind of been arrested. 
Uh, and uh, in the past, in the recent past, whenever the Taliban had overrun uh, cities, uh, the Afghan government, the Afghan government troops, Afghan army drove them out with help from the United States, especially the U.S. aerial support. So now after, after uh, September, the Afghan government is going to lose that. The Americans won't be. The Americans say they would continue to fight from afar, uh, which means they would continue to provide financial assistance to the Afghan government and Afghan troops would be trained outside Afghanistan by the Americans. So all those support would be there. But basically the battleground support by the United States uh, would be gone. So we have to see how the Afghan troops, Afghan army uh, is going to hold back the Taliban. And uh, and in the, in the in the absence of a political settlement, peace talks um, or a peace solution, Taliban are going to launch offensive and going to attack cities. So the war might continue. So this is uh, so which uh, to to put it simply, uh, the American withdrawal would alter the balance of power in the conflict in the stalemate of conflict in, in in favor of the Taliban. So, but it doesn't mean that you see. I, I'm not going to predict that the Afghan government is going to fall. It's it's on the verge of a collapse. But because uh, there are other factors, the American support would be there on the one side, and we we don't know what kind of role regional players are going to play. Say, for example, Russia, China, and India uh, in in finding a solution to the crisis or propping up the Afghan government. All those things we have to wait and see. But what we can certainly say, you know, are two things. One. The Americans have lost the war, and they have. Uh, I, I, there is a consensus that it is uh, they can't turn the war around. It is pointless continuing your presence inside Afghanistan uh, conflict zone. So rather, you pull out your troops and focus on the other challenges. And then, secondly, the Taliban is clearly on the ascent because in the past we say in the 1989, uh, after the Soviets were out, 89 Soviets were out. Uh, in 91, Soviet Union collapsed. In 92, uh, the Najibullah government fell. And there was a prolonged ceasefire, a, a, a four-year-old ceasefire. And in 96, the Taliban were in Kabul. So even in even at that time, there was a, you know, uh, there was a time period between the fall of the government and the withdrawal of the Soviet Union. So we don't know how long, I mean, how, what kind of support the Afghan government is going to get. It may not be on the verge of a collapse, but... Uh, the survival of the Afghan, clearly the battlefield dynamics are changing and the survival of the Afghan government would depend on a lot of factors such as continuing support from other countries and also how uh, the Ghani government or the Kabul government is going to retain you know, the balance of power within Afghanistan because once Taliban started keeping, win, keep, once it started winning more regions, more cities, even the balance of power within the political system might shift. The, lo the loyalty of different actors, uh, tribal leaders, politicians uh, might shift to the Taliban. So we have to wait and watch all those developments. Right. Uh, so Asni, we're definitely going to be dealing with, as Stanley mentioned, uh, a Taliban in the ascendancy. Uh, what does this all mean for India going forward? Well, I, uh, it's certainly in the beginning, uh, India has uh, asked to be part of the regional formations that uh, uh, are discussing the future of Afghanistan. Uh, so while India was not part of the Troika Plus conversations that were held between the US, Russia, China and Pakistan in the last two years, India is now invited to the talks of regional players in Turkey. Uh, this is going to be led by the United Nations. 
uh, and it's still up in the air, but there are indications that it'll be a larger group uh, of about 20 countries, including India, which are in the region, Central Asian countries, Iran, um, Pakistan, India, China, Russia, uh, and the others. So the first part will be that India wants to stay engaged with this regional process, even though India has not yet opened any flanks publicly with the Taliban. The second thing that uh, government officials have said again and again is they want to make it clear that 2020 cannot be 1996. In other words, the Taliban cannot be allowed to walk into Kabul uh, uh, without joining the political mainstream, uh, bring in uh, uh, an emirates, if you like, uh, or a Sharia rule that they had uh, had posed over Afghanistan uh, in 1996. And thirdly, that democracy, the rights of uh, women, minorities, the constitution must be upheld. Um, This is a hard task. This is going to be a difficult road to follow. And it's all a question of how much India is going to be willing to do in order to ensure it. The other side, uh, the other red line, if you like, for India has been that it would never send boots on the ground to Afghanistan. There is no question of India sending any kind of security assistance. So what would happen if there was some kind of a situation where the democratically elected government in Afghanistan was in trouble? These are all pointers for us to wait and watch Certainly, a lot will play out between now and September and then after that. Right. We'll wrap up this discussion there. Um, as you said, a lot, of, a lot of points to watch, a lot of things to keep our eyes on. And I'm sure we'll return to this topic soon. Um, thank you both, Soasni and Stanley, for joining us on the podcast today. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, sir. In Focus, we'll be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by The Hindu. We'll see you soon.